Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, good morning. As we make our way through the Ten Commandments this fall, we find ourselves with the Fourth Commandment today in Exodus 20. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Listen to the Word of God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Lord, may your word be planted deep within our hearts today. Nurture it, grow it, that we might receive today, especially the gift of your rest. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in our passage today, God issues a command to stop, to cease, to step out of the normal flow and pattern of daily life and to step into a realm that he has set apart and blessed. It's where we find the rest of God, and God calls it Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. Sabbath, as you may know, is a fundamental unit of time. It's 24 hours, one day a week. The seventh day is called a Sabbath day, a day of rest. And God's command here is clear. We are to work for six days of the week, but the seventh day is different. It's set apart, holy. It's a day given to the Lord your God, and it's not a day for work, but a day for holy rest. In commandment number four, we learn that Israel's God is a God who commands rest for his people. Have you ever been commanded to rest? How'd that go? Maybe a doctor's note after a surgery or an illness. Um, Maybe a a mental health professional sensing that you were in a period of burnout. Maybe you had a rough pregnancy and you were put on bed rest early, but the commandment came, you are now to rest. When my kids were infants, they napped fairly easily, but as they got older, it became more and more difficult. We would, of course, command them to rest, and they would simply say, nope, (laughs) not tired. They, wouldn't want, they didn't want to nap. And we, we forced Henry to nap until kindergarten. But by the time our youngest was two and a half, we just gave in to the resistance. We just stopped commanding her to rest. And she's been tired, I think, ever since. <laughs> We've been tired too. But commanding someone to rest is tricky business. There's a lot to do, after all. We've got deadlines, things that have to get done, usually right now. Who's going to clean the house? Who's going to take care of what only I can do? How will life move forward if I am not available? But God's command is clear. God's people will be marked 
by a Sabbath rest. One day every week, a day separate from the rest of the week, and not merely a day off, mind you, but a day given to the Lord. And as the scripture says, it's a commandment rooted in the creation story. The command, as I read, it looks back to creation in the beginning, which means that the fourth commandment reflects how we've been created to live. God created us with rest in mind. One day of rest for every six days of work. Now, having said that, I think it is curious that Sabbath keeping is one of the big ten. It's not a suggestion. It's not a nice idea if you've got the time. It's not a luxury. It's a commandment. And it's not arbitrary. Rather, as Pastor Mark Buchanan writes, Sabbath is essential. It's as essential for our life as food and water. Keep Sabbath, he writes, or break too easily. Break this commandment and you will die. Not today, not tomorrow, but one week at a time. Worn down by busyness and ceaseless activity, endless striving and reliance on yourself. We were not created with battery packs and power cords to extend our normal life activity. We were given the Sabbath. A day each week when time as we know it stands still, our alarms go silent, and we step into the full memory of God's creation, remembering that this is our Father's world, not ours. So I ask you this morning, are you at a breaking point? Does your soul feel thin and stretched? Do you take time off but never quite feel restored? Are you restless? Are you keeping Sabbath? And just as an aside, the commandment, as you know, is number four on the list of ten. It comes way before don't commit murder or adultery and don't steal. So why are we so tired, so busy, so anxious, and so unrested? My guess is that we don't fully know the Lord of the Sabbath. We don't fully know our Creator, who after creating everything, established a day of rest a day to stop. And probably not because God was tired, he's God, but because he was done. He was finished. God created a whole day for stopping and ceasing. I suppose God could have stopped with day six, but he didn't. He created a seventh day, a gift, a day of rest. And I suspect that only when we step into it do we begin to catch a glimpse of why. So let's back up and let's remember for a moment the first Sabbath day in Genesis chapter 2. We read, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The account of the seventh day of creation reads beautifully. It's poetic. It's gorgeously written. It's, po- it's stunning. It's a beautiful buildup to a perfect moment of rest. Who wouldn't want to join God on his day of rest? Who wouldn't want to jump in to the seventh day? We'll hold that thought for a moment. And now let's fast forward to the first time God introduces Sabbath to his people. It comes in Exodus 16, and just to to get you up to speed, Moses has freed the people from Egypt, and he's leading them out to worship God. They're on their way, 
and they've had quite a journey so far. They've crossed the Red Sea in a miraculous moment. In response to their grumbling and complaining, God has sent manna and quail each day for them to eat. God is providing and protecting them as they go. And then the people of God encounter their first Sabbath day. It's just a few chapters before the Ten Commandments. Moses announces to them, tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So how does it go? Well, I'll tell you. It's a total disaster. They have no idea what a Sabbath is or how they're supposed to receive that day. Moses gets mad. The people get grabby. It's pretty much a complete train wreck. This particular story, though, involves maggots and rotting food and terrible smells and melting bread. Your middle school boys will love it. (laughs) But here's the thing. The people of Israel have been slaves for over 400 years. They have not had a day off from their work. They don't know what a day of rest is. They've not been in charge of their lives, and the lords of Egypt have been cruel. If they didn't work, they didn't eat. Their taskmasters were demanding and harsh. The people don't yet know about a rescuing God who commands rest and provides for the needs of his people. This is all new, and so they're going to have to learn to trust God's provision and to rest in him. God has to train them to trust him. Same with us. In this account, in Exodus 16, it's, it's somewhat comforting, I think, because it gives us a picture of how we might start out attempting to rest, attempting to take a day of rest for the Lord. It can go south pretty quickly. We get grabby, we get irritated, we suspect that God really won't provide what we need when we give him a whole, a whole day. We have a tendency to steal back pieces of time just in case God doesn't come through. Growing up at my house, Sunday was a very different day. We didn't call it Sabbath. We called it the Lord's Day or a family day. We always went to church as a family right here in this place with many of you. In fact, we always sat in the back row up there in the balcony. Yep, you guys, that's where we sat. No matter how much we as kids complained, we went to church. That's what we did. After church, we ate out at Furs Cafeteria. May it rest in peace. (laughs) So my mom didn't have to cook. We stayed around the house that day, doing projects, playing basketball in the front driveway. We didn't make plans on Sunday. We rested. I just remember it as a day that we were with family. Now, I don't know growing up that I understood the the theology that was being played out in my home. And I can tell you my brothers and I were frankly not all that crazy about the practice But my parents were being obedient to the fourth commandment. And to this day, what was modeled in my home growing up has carried with me as I've left home. My brothers too. We have a deep planting within us that the Lord's day is supposed to be different. And so Adam and I strive now to keep a day of rest to the Lord in our home as a day that's different from the other. Sometimes it's a disaster, but we work hard at it. Ours happens to be Saturday because I work on Sunday, and maybe you have a similar situation where you have to find a different day. You can ask our kids how it's all going. Actually, don't ask them today. (laughs) They're all getting picked up early from sleepovers to be at church this morning. (laughs) But the fourth commandment reminds us that we have been created for a different kind of time with God than the rest of the week. 
We've been created for a different kind of day. Mark Buchanan writes that Sabbath is a form of mending. It's the place where our lives are mended, healed, recreated, restored. And it's supposed to be weekly, but not at all like any other day of the week. It's to be holy, which means set apart, separate. A true ceasing of our work pattern and weekly activity and fully oriented to the Lord. It's a day for life-giving practices and to practice gratitude. And it's not a day we simply kind of shove on to the end of a busy week. It's to be the very foundation of our week, the day that sets all other days in motion. It's the first day of the week, and it's the final day of the week, reminding us that the whole of our lives from start to finish belongs to God. When we follow God's command to step into Sabbath, we find rest. We become fine-tuned to the movement and the voice of God. We find blessing. We become attentive to our humanity and even grateful for our limitations. Our posture toward our work also slowly changes. You see, we can give our whole selves and our very best to our work each day because we know that rest is coming every week. In the Heidelberg Catechism, the fourth commandment calls us to a festive day of rest, a day of celebration, a day of joy, where I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, to bring Christian offerings for the poor, a day of joy, a day of celebration, a day to worship God. Jewish Sabbath takes place from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. It begins at the end of the day with sleep, with deep rest. Great preparations are made leading up to Sabbath so that no work is done on that day. It's a holy day, a day of worship, a day of rest. And God tells Israel that the Sabbath is a sign for the generations to come so that they too might know the work of the Lord in their lives. Listen to this afternoon Sabbath prayer from a Jewish prayer book. May thy children realize and understand that their rest comes from thee, and that to rest means to sanctify thy name. Sabbath changes families. Sabbath breathes health into the family system, and it's crucial in shaping the younger generation's to know the Lord. Christians, for the most part, celebrate a day of rest on Sunday, which remembers the resurrection of Jesus. We gather with our church community for worship, and each person or household has the joy of intentionally deciding how to live out the rest of the day. For some, it's a day to unplug from electronics for the purpose of being more present to God and to others. For some, it's perhaps a big family dinner at the center of the day, and everyone is expected to be there, perhaps along with some guests and some friends. For some, it's a day to serve others in the name of the Lord. For some, it involves music or sleep, a hike, or a really awesome playground. But it is a day where the regular rhythm of work and school and the normal pattern of whatever it is that occupies your time during the week 
is set aside for a special day with the Lord, a day of worship, of joy, of thanksgiving, of connection with our Creator. Adam and I talk about our day of rest all the time. We, the two of us, rest very differently from one another, and so we're in constant communication and some compromise about how our day of rest will flow. But we know what restores our family and what it means to be oriented to the Lord. We actively talk, sometimes we argue, and we work it hard at figuring out what the day of rest needs to be and how it will honor the Lord. Honestly, I hope we never stop fighting together for a day of Sabbath rest. Today you're gonna pick up a sticky note with Lord of my limits on it. So I've gotta say a word about limits. As you know, our culture is enamored with a no-limit lifestyle. Unlimited talk and text, unlimited data, all-you-can-eat dinner bars, unlimited refills, stores open at all hours of the night. No limits is a well-loved motto around us. Um, We often live as if we have no limits. But Scripture is clear that the spiritually mature person recognizes his or her limits and lives from a posture of embracing, even celebrating, his or her limits. She lives from a posture of trusting God. He lives from a place of knowing God's sovereignty. Now, I will say that we do stand in awe of individuals who actually exceed limits or push through them and set new records, new speeds, new creativities, or space exploration. But let me say this, limits are fully in play in all of these scenarios. There is a humble recognition of limits. Athletes still need sleep and rest. Astronauts are incredibly aware of human limitation in space. Nobody goes into space without all of those limits being addressed in order to pursue excellence and pushing through limits, we have to be hyper-aware that we are human. In this commandment, Moses sends us back to the creation story in Genesis to remember who we are. We are the creation, not the creator. We are made in the image of God, but we are not God. Rather, God invites us into the rest that we need, rest that is given by him. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, reminds us that Sabbath is a gift, not a burden. And he calls us to relationship with him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who gives rest. We reach our limitations very quickly, but we worship and we serve the limitless one, and in him we find rest. By keeping the fourth commandment, we discover what it means to be truly human, dependent on God and finding our true humanity in Jesus Christ. Well, like Many of you, I carry a lot of worry and anxiety and concern about a lot of things, but I'm slowly learning to not let those things paralyze me, to recognize that when I get stuck in some kind of anxiety loop, 
it's a sign to me that I need to lean in to the Lord more, um, to pray, to go to his word. And a few years ago, I spent a period of time with a psychologist working to understand more deeply how God has wired me and where I struggle with my own limits and how I might move into a more trusting posture with the Lord. I learned a lot that year about my own humanity and God's desire for my rest. And so today I thought I would share with you just one of the Sabbath practices I started during that time. It's been really helpful for me. So when you enter our house, coming through the front door, there's a bunch of um, coat hooks on the side where we hang our coats. And as we get closer to fall, our coat rack is already full of jackets and coats. But on our Sabbath day, which begins kind of Friday evening, I go over to that coat rack and I begin Sabbath by mentally taking all my worries and anxieties and cares and I just mentally in my imagination begin hanging them on that coat rack. I name them, I place them, it's an act, it's my act of worship to the Lord as I enter a day of rest. Those things are not to go with me into Sabbath. And I leave them there for 24 hours. And yes, it's a struggle sometimes. And at the end of that Sabbath day, that day of rest, I come back and I take those back. And I realize sometimes that I'm not quite as worried about something that I hung up the night before. Somehow God has allowed me to relax or softened my heart or showed me in that time how I might trust him more with whatever it is that I've hung up. It's not easy to place our cares and our worries and our anxieties into the hands of God. But I've discovered that I can mostly do it for 24 hours to let God have those things and to let him during that time work in my heart. It's imperative as we head into our day of rest that I am present to the little ones in our house, more present to God. And so as I'm learning to follow Jesus into his day of rest, I find that my whole week is lived differently. You see, Sabbath is a day, yes. But Sabbath is also an orientation of the heart. The Sabbath day fundamentally changes how we live out each day. We discover that God's rest is actually present all week. We walk with the Lord of the Sabbath every day. Friends, our world is in desperate need of God's rest. The broken places of our nation and our world cry out for rest and for healing. We read in Exodus that the fourth commandment is to be extended throughout an entire household and community. Sons, daughters, servants, animals, foreigners, the people of God are to extend the rest of God to everyone they are connected to? How might we extend the gracious gift of God's rest to those around us today? Let me close with this thought. When you are deeply resting in the Lord and obedient to the fourth commandment, you simply become a gift to the people that you are around a sign of God's abundant grace and life in a world 
that is hungry and thirsty and longing for a true moment of rest in their lives. As I pray for us this morning to close, I'm going to begin with some words from Psalm 62. So listen to the word of God as I pray for us this morning. Let's pray. Truly my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Lord Jesus, call us into your rest. Fill us with your life. Help us to receive from your hand each day that we might live as a life-giving people in the midst of this world. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.